I, th- I said for the outset, I think Rangers will be too strong for Celtic this year. They've been excellent under Michael Beale. They actually have a 100% record away from home in league matches. For me, Celtic were the best team in the country before Michael came into Rangers. He's come in, he's done a fantastic job, and him and Angel now head to head. He's obsessed with control of the game, control of the ball, on and off the ball, and I think he'll approach the game a lot less direct. I think they'll try and play a lot more football. I think Raskin, in time, and I know it's, it's a ridiculous comparison to make, but in terms of where the club, I think the Rangers Raskin could be the kind of the Callum McGregor influence on the team in terms of the control. Two good football teams in this country, not one. And welcome to the Cynic Weekly. We have recorded this intro, I would say, maybe 10 times, so let's get it right this time. It's Thursday, the 13th of April 2023. It's been a fantastic week. Celtic uh, slaying Rangers in the Derby, and we're going to talk all about it, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. See, uh, Chris and Barry, we, we did uh, we did that intro maybe four or five times, and uh, just get it all out. Chris, Chris Amani's here. Hello, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Terrific. Off last week, back this week. Um... Aye, about seven or eight intros all that we had there, but not done that in a while. No, no, that was that was old school. Aye, remember we used to regularly do that <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> uh, but Chris Oman, it's great to have you here. Uh, we're also joined by Barry Gallagher. How are you, Barry? Very well, thanks. Nice to fill in for my good friend Alan. Um, we've kind of subbed on each other on and off up and out of Ireland. Yes, um, but uh, uh, Alan is over uh, in the, the, the motherland, um, having a, a lovely time, hopefully, with uh, his, his dad and his brother. Um, he'll be back next week. Uh, Barry, you are the kind of first uh, substitute in. I think we've got you lined up for the weekly in two weeks' time as well, so uh, thanks for How, your... Where's Alan going? Is he away again? No, there's, uh, Alan will be doing uh, another pod that, the, the next day, so, you know, it's just the Lynch Club, so... Fair enough. Um, delighted to be the first sub. First sub, um, and it's uh, it's great to have you here. Um, and this has been yeah, it's been a 
pretty fucking class week (laughs) to be fair uh we've got lots to talk about we've got some questions we got to want to look at some of the fallout from this game um we've got an opening question but see before all that chris how Mm -hmm. was your uh, post derby evening few drinks few laughs uh aye it was uh just soaking it all in it was uh it was great you got a very uh, magical um Smug look in my face. No, a Tony Montana look. Like uh, it was very good. It was very nice. Very, you know. <laughs> shall we start again? <laughs> We're not starting again. We're not starting again. Uh, no, 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 it was good. It was good. Just um, ended up uh, up the road um, watching some old highlights and stuff like that. It was just, I. It was one of those days where you just soak it all and get it right. On the telly. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, yourself, you were out for a, a bit longer than... Yeah, um, was at St Luke's, um, good spot outside in the beer garden, um, a few drinks were had, um, only really got over the, the weekend celebrations about yesterday afternoon, so getting a bit older now where the hangover seems to take a, a stranglehold of your life, but still on holiday just now, so no, just the whole week's been kind of spent re-watching highlights, the goals, um enjoying the fallout as I'm sure we'll delve into tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did a reaction uh, straight after the game, which was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of uh, Chris Bowd, I think, was on the verge of uh, exploding uh, with joy. Uh, but no, it was really fantastic. Claire, Claire Webb was there and she, her first experience, so it was good to kind of get those different and contrasting kind of experiences of being at the Derby. So uh, if you are a subscriber, it's in your RSS feed and on the app and on the website. If you're not a subscriber, check out thecynic.co. We've had podcasts every day and we will continue to have podcasts every day. So uh, check it out. Celtic content every day Um, should be something you can try. Um, Okay, so let's let's start with the opening question. And the opening question is just, uh, we had lots of questions from listeners and subscribers and they're always a really good quality um, and we'll kind of talk through the ones that we've got as well. But I wanted to just ask you this. What was your favourite moment from Saturday on or off the pitch? So what really have you, is it something that's been going all over and over in your head or, you know, post-match, pre-match, whatever? Chris, we'll start with yourself. There's a lot to choose from. Quite a lot of it's off the pitch as well, actually. Um, I mean, in terms of on the pitch, um, Jota's goal was just it was just perfect. The dodgy back pass from Suter, the you know what was it? Somebody described McGregor as the tin man trying to kind of creak back to the goal to get it, and you know what's overlooked because it was a a mess up from them is the way Jota put it away. It was in a kind of swift movement, a touch onto his left foot and into the net. You know, it was almost one movement. Pure class. Off the pitch, where do you start? I mean, the manager and captain of our rivals insisting that Jota handled the ball for the second goal when the the evidence was entirely clear that that didn't happen. But my favourite, I think, was Barry Ferguson's uh, record article which uh, I, I would thoroughly recommend uh, on a, reading on a weekly basis whereby he said that, that that's it, now Beal's got the master plan to beat Rangers, he's got uh, um, Ange's number the exact same article that he basically put out Oh, he's got I've it there. got it here the exact same article he put out about Van Bronckhurst where he said that he had four different plans or something to, to beat Ange you know they don't learn. They don't learn. No. They, they don't learn. don't learn. It's 
but it was it was timely. It was very funny. I think that maybe came out a couple of days after the game. So you know that way when the content dissipates for Twitter and stuff like that, you just get the wee nuggets throughout the week to keep you going. And I thought that was I thought that was a belter. It was just I don't know. I, I mean, it's I'm not sure whether or not he actually thinks that, or there's a a, a thought process in the Rangers support that that's the case. Um, because if it is, it's just crazy. I mean, they're, they're a team who since Angus came in have had. You know they've won, they've beat us a few times, but they've not had masses, massive amounts of massive amounts of success. And you think that they would kind of learn to hold their horses a wee bit, Chris? Um, the quote that the the article that um, Sermani's talking about here, just a couple of quotes from it. The frustrate, frustrate. I, I, I obviously preface this by going, oh, duh. Uh, <laughs> the frustrating thing is that Celtic were there for the taking on Saturday. Three days later, the feeling of an opportunity missed hasn't got opportunity missed hasn't gone away, and it's going to stay there, gnawing away in the pit of my stomach for a while. And um, blah 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 blah. Michael Beale might be relatively new to the job, but he's been around here long enough to know that he simply can't afford to leave the national stadium with an other another old farm defeat in the CV. So what he's saying is, he should get sacked if he does. That's literally yep. what that says, right? And then it goes. Here's the good news: where my club is, con- my old club is concerned. Bill proved to me at the weekend that he knows how to set up his team tactically against Celtic because for long spells, the high intensity, aggressive approach knocked them out of their normal stride. They were rattled by the way in which Rangers were pressing them and harassing them. Although I don't remember Barry this Ferguson at all, does not sound anything like that. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it showed in the number of slight passes, sloppy mistakes. Um, better <laughs> even when they managed it's just you know honestly the game plan worked it was exactly how I wanted to see Rangers set about their rivals matching their energy levels and getting in a few faces um, wild it, it goes from one extreme saying he can't afford to leave the National Stadium with another old farm defeat and also he's the greatest um, Barry I would suggest that he can because you just know that there'll be some other daft excuse so he needs his own team next season so it's good for us that it seems they can do no wrong in their eyes, uh, no matter how many times we beat them, the manner in which we beat them, if we dominate them, if they have a bit more of the game, he seems to have a free reign, but that only lasts so long, I think. If we were to beat them in the semi and avoid defeat at Ibrooks, I think it would put the shiters up them, for want of an old phrase, and I don't think they'd be coming out so sort of defiant um, after that, so we know that they're fickle. That's just crazy. The whole having Angie's number, that was the same thing that he said before the 4 0 game in September, wasn't it? That Gio had his number. And it's, I don't know why they do that to, to themselves because, as we mentioned in the every podcast, we were part of the 90s. We grew up with that. And I don't remember Celtic making excuses like this. Like, obviously, the fans, we saw, remember when we started to get the players like Van Hoydonk and Tom and Cadetti. We did start to dominate them in games, but it was never like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they don't seem to have the humility to appreciate that they're, they're nowhere near us, really, in terms of quality. Um, seeing regards to some of the stuff about like rebuilds and all that, and obviously, they, you know, they are our rivals, so we need to keep an eye, just an eye on what they're doing, right? I don't want to talk about them too much, but just keep an eye on what they're doing. Um, we did a biscuit tin uh, on uh, that was released on Wednesday. It was myself, Martin Friel, and Ian Dugan, and we basically I asked. I basically was a proxy for the for the audience listening, and I was like, "Are Rangers going out of business?" And they both went, "No, they're not." But essentially, they are in pretty big trouble, and their trouble is probably going to come. Martin Friel um, said that this summer will really show where they're going to go because. It explains it's all in the podcast. It's very detailed. It's it's really really good. But essentially, they're not going to have any money in the summer, and 
people are writing off the the, the shareholders are writing off their debt. Um, so like those share issues are just writing off the debt that they have. So like they are in a really precarious position, and I think all these excuses and all this idea of we'll wait to the summer and then there'll be this big war chest is just pie in the sky. And we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of bone about the fall. What's your kind of uh, thoughts on you know what was your favourite moment, Jesus? For Philip um, I think. I was going to say Jota as well, but I think the uh, it's between Kyogo's first goal just to have that sort of quickness. I thought to sort of make himself the space and drag it back and and fire it away. Um, but I also liked the I liked the bite in Callum McGregor. I don't think I've ever seen him that fired up for a game before. And in hindsight, you could kind of see it was coming because he did. I think he did the the press on the Friday, didn't they? And they were asking him questions like. Um, captains of the past of both clubs used to talk to each other and he's like, does that happen now? He's like, nope, not at all. And I loved that. He was like, no, don't really talk. See him at the game, that's it. Um, but just that we weren't going to be bullied by them if they wanted to be over-aggressive with us. And I, I love that picture of him just, when Joe Hart's pulling him away and he's just laughing. Um, it was kind of Scott Brown all over. Um, and I thought he was particularly um, impressive in the second half on Saturday. In terms of off the pitch, I think both the displays from the boys and the Green Brigade. Yes. Really poignant, um, particularly for their Irish roots around Easter time. Um, and I think their finger was on the pulse uh, spot on. So loved that. And that kind of set the tone, I think, for, for what was to unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, that's our opening question. Um, let's talk about the game. Um, the game itself, you know, there's been lots of kind of... Been a lot of coverage, and, and you will kind of talk about the fallout in the media coverage. But you know, it's what four or five days out, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, the performance, let's start with the performance, right? Not because we're 12 points clear, we got the result at the end of the day, that was the most Im- important thing. Mm-hmm. So, 12 points clear with you know, the, the games are going by the week, so there's not too much longer to really worry about it. What do you make of the performance, though, from from, from where you are now? So I thought we were pretty poor, if I'm being honest. I don't think that was, uh, to quote a a regular phrase on here, that was our sparkling best. I've said in recent weeks in the run-up to this game that they're at a level now where I think that they can set up and beat us in one-off games. I think that we are a better side than them, and I think over the course of a season, and we're going to play them six times this season, I think over the course of a season we'll win more than we'll lose. But they're in a position now where the idea that they can't lay a glove on is is daft. See if you're going down that road. We've done that before after we were scudding them 5-1. And, you know, the League Cup final in 2019 should have been a wee wake-up call, but we didn't heed it, right? Different manager now, different mindset, so I don't think we would do that. But I think it's fair to say they're in a position where they could beat us in a one-off game. I think we were poor. I think part of that was the way that they set up. You know, going man for man in midfield, pushing up in Jota. That said, I think that we deserved to win the game fairly comfortably. I think that we had the better of the ball, the better of the chances. Um, And I think that as an attacking force, they were absolutely toothless. You know, you can talk about some of the things that they did well in in the game. But generally speaking, you know, guys like Kent, Morelos... These guys are, I mean, the fact is their main attacking outlet is their right back. They were, I, I didn't, as, you know, as much as we conceded two goals, Barry and I were kind of briefly mentioning this before the game. As an attacking threat, I didn't feel too nervous with them. You know, there was a, a, a part in the game where they broke and they were kind of knocking the ball back and forth and then they kind of just ran out of ideas and, and kind of ran in to the defence. 
So I think their setup really probably did impact on us. You know, there was poor performances. You know, the press, I think, upset us in terms of, of possession. But the way that they then set up had such a significant impact on them as an attacking force that I just thought that they were, they were fairly poor, fairly impotent, to be perfectly honest. And the press that they're getting, you know, that they're kind of putting out there in terms of that performance from them, I thought was, you know, I don't see where they're getting their confidence from. I think that they set up to stop us playing and they, that worked to a certain extent. I think that that will, is less likely to happen because, you know, and I'm sure we'll come and talk about it, some of our players were, were missing. Some of the players on the part on the day clearly were carrying injuries, at least two. Um, so for me, if I was, you know, thinking about it, I would be looking at that and saying, were we there for the taking? You could maybe argue that, but I don't think they were that close to taking us. And that's the thing that's confusing me about what's kind of been around in the press since then. Celtic weren't great, but they were still better than Rangers in the day, and that's the bottom line. Because um, Chris Somani said so. Is that a wrestling thing, eh? That's a rock, okay. Nice one. <laughs> oh, he takes it on. Um, totally agree with what Somani said. Like, I don't think we were anywhere near our best. I think there is circumstances surrounding that. As you said, players carrying knocks or not being fully fit. I think you could argue our best player this season um, on full stop is Rio Hatati, or certainly in the top two or three, and he's so crucial to the way that this system functions. Um, so I think that's a big sort of factor. But spinning it on its head, Samani says, I don't think we were ever really in any danger. We created more than enough um, chances to win the game as we did, but even more to add to the score. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it went 3 1, um, again, just before we came on air, Samani and I were talking when it went 3 1, and you were kind of thinking then it's going to be 4. Four or five, and you could maybe argue that if they hadn't scored when they did, it would have happened, and kind of point to the the Bernabe chance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point, which, which still kind of fucking annoys you. Points, yeah, <laughs> perplexes, and just perplexes. on the other game as well. So there was similar. Remember um, Aksabarovic at the, the, in the final, final as well. So if they, if those chances go in, I don't think you would hear all this narrative from mm. Rangers in the press. So. Hopefully that'll lure, lure them into a false sense of security going into the semi-final. But yeah, there's, it was funny like trying to talk in the pub. Um, didn't hear who the man of the match was at the ground. Um, there was only maybe one candidate or two because of Kyogo, and that's unusual for us, I think, mm. in any game um, because we, we normally function and perform so well. So I would say it was an off day, but it's great to have an off day like that when you come away with the points against your, your biggest rivals. And just to kind of round off that point you mentioned about the cup final in 2019, I think you could feel that something wasn't quite right there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that no, at this no. point. Absolutely um, And we've got the best possible manager to work on the things. I think Alan mentioned on the agenda on Monday about the goals that we conceded, there's things that we can work on. Don't give away cheap fouls. Yeah. Um, that, was a, that was the biggest takeaway for me I think yeah, don't give away yeah. cheap fills and defend your box better and if we do that we should be fine touch wood you're right just to be clear I'm not making comparisons in terms of the swing from 2019 but when you look back in that that performance that day I mean well, we'll look back on it because of the because it's fucking brilliant because, <laughs> because of Forster's display and Morelos missing the penalty and all that but when you look back at in, in the cold light of day it even makes me shudder saying it now they were outplayed in that day it's not like that now but what I suppose the point I'm making is the broader support sometimes need to you know sometimes it's dead easy for you to go with one who cares forget all about it and forget that things are changing 
I think it's important to acknowledge that they're not as bad as they were. There will be days that they have a squad that could probably set up to beat us on any given day. I don't think it's I don't think it's helpful going forward. And the manager won't do this, but I don't think it's helpful going forward just saying they can't lay a glove on us because it's not quite like that. Yeah. Um, we just need to acknowledge that they're not as bad as they were. And Bill's had a great run since he came in, results wise, maybe not performance wise. We just need to concentrate and stay in one step ahead of them. We are just now, and I think we'll continue to be. But you know, just I think it's best just to understand that. Uh, you know, it's not like the days when we're putting five. You have to be realistic. You have, you know. Yeah, it's it's no, I mean, even beating them 4-0 earlier in the season, I'm not saying that we can't do that, but we shouldn't probably go in expecting that all the time now because precisely because he's set up like he did under Gerard, that makes them hard to score against. So I think that's where we are just now. They're better, but we're better than them. And that's fine. That's absolutely cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say the one encouraging thing about that though is not only Anne says it, but every time when there's sort of praise being lavished on our players like Jota, Kyogo, all the talk is we need to get better, we need to get better all the time. So we are better than them just now, and I think with the mindset, with the current management, the current squad, and hopefully most of them will stay and will add to them that we'll continually strive to get better, which yeah, will make absolutely. the gap even bigger than it is. Yeah, I think that's the kind of. <clears throat> Like I'm, I'm not going to underplay how, you know, how they have improved under Bill because there has been an improvement there, no doubt about it. But you could also, if you want to, want to see if you put, see if you look at that footage right, and you change the colours of the strips of the Rangers team to hearts, hard to break down, hard to beat, mm-hmm. win, win free kicks on the edge of the area, set pieces in. Now they do it to a higher level because they've got better players. Aye. And I'm not saying that that's not a way to beat teams because I, you know, funnily enough, the way Rangers kind of set up is how I used to think we should set up against teams in European football. Yeah. You know, be hard to beat, be really compact. You know, don't let them breathe. Get set pieces. Get win balls up the pitch and cross the ball. But to me now, that's such a small fucking club mentality. That's yeah. a small team mentality. Maybe that's what they need to build on. I don't know. But to me, if Celtic played like that, I would, I would find it an absolute ready. That's what I was going to say. See the circumstances of where they found themselves going for the sort of last throw of the dice to try and get some sort of swing in the title race, you'd be gutted, I think, if you were a, a right-minded um if they came at, if, if they came at us on Saturday and we performed the way we performed, where, and we'll talk about some individual performances, um, they might have had a better bite yeah. I don't know if they've got the, the quality of player to do that, because their squad was built around that. This is still largely Gerard's squad, and if we're Bill's just, it's the same stuff, isn't it? Because they always talked about him as being the, the tactician. It was just, it was like watching, you know, the Rangers team for two or three years ago. It was like a Gerrard team again. Oh. That's exactly what they've did. I mean, has it brought them a level of success? Well, it did, you know, here and then in Europe, because that's exactly what it is. They set up against us like they do against teams in Europe, teams that are technically much better than them, but they play in a way that stops them from playing and then they're hoping they pick up second balls, you know, by going long, they're hoping to win fouls, be strong at set pieces. That's it. And I mean, you're right. If I was watching that, I mean, again, as a supporter, if we were winning, you probably wouldn't be that bothered about it. Mm. Well, no, but I agree with you actually, but I think a lot of the support might be fine, fine with that. But in terms of, I mean, it's almost kind of a compliment because it really is. They, they didn't 
go toe to toe with us trying to play football, and, and I think a lot that had to do was is to do with technical ability. But they basically set up against us the way that they would set up, you know, maybe not the Champions League this season because uh, <laughs> that was that wasn't very good. But one of the you know, Leipzig or something uh, last season in the Europa League, do you know, yeah. they set up that way, which was entirely to stop them playing, and then. It was, you know, one second ball, set pieces, and, and, it, and it worked for them. They're treating us the same way. See, the thing I was, the thing that would make more sense, I think, was see if they were to set up that way, say, in the final or the semi-final, when yeah. they've played us or still to play us. You can understand game, that man. because you think, maybe tire them out, we can take them to extra time and penalties and yeah. anything can happen. But see, when you are nine points behind in the title race and you go out and do that, it doesn't make sense. And I'm just glad that there is all this noise that we'll come on to that they're delighted with the progress they're making under Bill because you'd be you'd be fuming, I think, if you if you kinda thought clearly and sat back and kinda process what you were watching because as we said, there was no real danger apart from the odd half chance, um and yeah. then goals from set pieces. Let's talk about us. Let's focus on the champions for uh, a bit because you know, this team don't you know <laughs> You just don't stop. Um, I've, I, there's a question, a question, sort of comment from Alsdar. He he got in contact. Um, I felt the Derby game was comfortable despite Aaron Moy's first half being worst individual Celtic performance since Joseph Malumbu's seven minute cameo versus Leipzig. <laughs> oh, <aye>. <laughs> <laughs> On the positive note, uh, this showed that the system is robust enough to deal with poor form or injuries. We always talk about how the system is the star in the, of, of the show, but I think Callum McGregor's uh, kind of aggression and need to to win uh, showed up Alistair Johnson seems to be I don't know it's like he's born to play in these games um, Kyogo again just highlighting how <clears throat> tremendous of a of a finisher he is um, in the right circumstances uh, Jota <clears throat> we get two guys who I think are not far off superstars certainly they are superstars for us um, and they're showing up when the big games count Barry yeah, and that's you know maybe something we would have maybe said at the start of the season, maybe even last season we would have went, you know, we want to see a little bit more from Jota, like Hugo. They turn up against Rangers, and that's as me and Samani and yourself always allude to is you know Rangers in Europe and Rangers turning up, scoring against them, performing against them. That's a massive tick. Definitely, yeah, and that's as you say, they're they're becoming superstars for us, um, and that's all that really matters, to us, isn't it? Their record is great now, so that's Kyogo got five against them when there was maybe, even before sort of the turn of the year, wasn't there, that we were just wanting for the Kyogo moment to happen. Um, and boy, is he, is he repaid with the, the cup final then again Saturday. And Jota, I think that's his third goal against them mm-hmm. as well. So for a winger, I know the wingers get more goals now because um, they're more sort of wide forwards, but they're turning up and they're, they're putting it on. And their highlight reel now is um, something to be really fond of and <clears throat> excuse me I think the fact that they now have these experiences it means that you're confident going into the next game that because they've got these moments they're going to deliver again and they're just writing themselves into the history books which is all we can ask for yeah absolutely Chris yourself yeah I mean Kyogo in particular you've I mean what, what, what day is it the 13th of April you said that at the start Chris didn't you <laughs> yeah but you know at the start at the turn of the year Kyogo hadn't scored against them and um you know, there was some question marks about his form earlier in the season. You know, recency bias in your head always kind of suggests to you, well, why was he questioned? I think he was rightly questioned at the time. You know, just on when there's a conversation that is fairly serious to suggest that Jack Amakus could have started in front of him, you can tell that Kyogo wasn't in form. 
but that's disappeared now. The Kyogo that scored two in the League Cup final, you know, there was a gap where he maybe never reached those heights. He's now scoring at the top level that he can just now because we're, we're obviously not in Europe. He getting that equaliser at Ibrox was huge. It was. It, it might not have been on his mind, or it might have been. I don't know. But scoring against them, once you do it the first time, it just seems to become easier when you're a player of his quality. And it clearly has happened now because that's him on five goals. So he, you're going into them those games now, not thinking Kyogo's quality. This could be his day. You're going in and expecting him to score. Yeah. And Jota's another one as well. It's you know that he's had some real quality moments against them. But again, it's like when you're talking about them being superstars for us, you then think about them are they then able to play at a higher league, you know, a higher level in England or Spain or, or whatever. See, when they're doing that in big games, it's not only about the quality of the opposition, it's about the pressure of doing it because of, of what's on you. You're then seeing that these guys are as good as we think and that's the level that they're operating at. And you go into games thinking, yeah, you should start because you've produced in the past and I'm kind of expecting you to do it going forward. So I think it's absolutely huge, you know, um, and long may it continue. What do you reckon, what, what do you make of just how the manager's handled himself with everything? Even after I was thinking about this, the, you know, the handball with Goldson and all that and, you know, the VAR decisions that's went against us. He's handled it with a lot of kind of dignity and a lot of kind of class and, you know, I don't want to even compare him to anything, but he just, you know, what he said after the kind of after the game where he talks about if you can make one person happy and all that. Um, I normally don't fall for that sort of stuff. I, I'm quite pretty good at seeing through a lot of that. Uh, but so you, Samani, shut the fuck up. You talking about? But I don't know. There is just such a genuine. I, I just, the, the, I just think the manager genuinely understands what it means. There are some managers who maybe not understand what it necessarily means, but he does, mm. and, and I think how he holds himself uh, you know he holds himself to such a high high level I don't know I just what a guy yeah it's it's ironic that as you say the dignity and class which is all the things that they sort of perpetuate isn't it and they don't have it at all whereas it's easy like it's easy to have like slogans but I think he really backs them up because how often I think I remember Rangers I think it was maybe under Warburton had send the fans home happy and it's just a, a thing stuck on the tunnel but when Anne says it, I think the way you can see the sincerity in his voice and um, the way he's brought in the club, I love how passionate he is. That video of him walking up the tunnel on Saturday was great. And yeah, he's really bought into us. Um, he has sent the fans home happy. And even though we weren't at our best, I think Anne, you can see that he's a deep thinker as well. His, his answers and mm. in interviews are very... There's enough to encourage you that he'll let the players know that we can be better than that because we can. Um, so it's just a, a great time to be a Celtic fan and we, and we only need to cherish these moments, I think. We, do you know what, Barry, we do? Yeah. Cherish these moments, Chris. Yes, indeed. Sometimes we forget to. But so, sometimes we do. You just think about the next game. Um, Alistair Johnston. Sorry, Chris. I was just going to say, Angie's consistent, though, you know, in terms of the way that he conducts himself. Um, and I'm, I'm going to put it this way, if he was a manager of another club, you know, you, you would probably pick fault in him. We're obviously going to be glowing when we're, we're, we're talking about him. But one thing he, he always does is he's consistent in what he says about VAR and decisions and how it's out with his control. And, you know, the, the, the most critical he's been of it is the time that it took to come to the decision and things like that. You know, that's that's consistent. But when you see 
I, I can almost, when you see the reaction from, from Bill and from Tavernier, I can almost understand it from Tavernier a bit more because he's like, like a, a spectacular loser a lot of the time. <laughs> because he's... Well, I professional mean, loser. I mean, the guys, the guy scored his 100th goal for Rangers from right back at the weekend and they still get beat, you know. Mbappe, remember the Mbappe reference he said? Ah, the Mbappe reference. What was the Mbappe reference? Because Mbappe had scored a hat trick in the World Cup final and lost, he was like, he said the lad said that to me in the dressing room, didn't aye, they? Because aye. he'd scored his hundred goal and lost. I'm sure they fucking did. Pathetic man. So I mean, that's he's a guy who's played however many seasons there, and he's got like very little to show for it. He's got a hundred goals, and yet again he was on the, the the losing side, as is as has been the case for a long time. But Bill, though, I mean, it, it's just. I don't know, it's almost like he's he's trying to think of the right thing to say to keep the fans on side, as opposed to perhaps acknowledging some of the things. To go out and repeat that thing about Jota's handball, it's just stupid. Why would you go on and say that without having checked it out? I've not seen it. You could have said, I've not seen it, but, but uh, you know, you know one like? of the lads said it might have hit his hand. <laughs> there we <laughs> you are, know? we're back in. So, I'll have to check that out. Disappointing if that's the case. But no... He came out and stated it as a fact, and I'm pretty sure it was either one of the two of them repeated it, Aye. you know, later. And so it, it just, it seems a bit, I mean, ultimately, he's only, the only thing he can do is to start to change the results. That's really what he should be planning and aiming to do. Um, because sound bites, eventually they'll, they'll catch up with him. See if he continues to lose these games, you know, you know that the, the the press will turn against him and so will the support. That lasts for a wee bit of time. There's a bit of a buffer thing where you can say, oh, this went against us and that went against us, but it doesn't last for long. So. I know. They're, they're, they're doing that whole thing of, uh, uh, you know, this whole big thing about I didn't inherit this this gap. Oh, good. It's like, you, you took the job. Like, now, yeah, mate, so. I mean, you know, okay, <laughs> then we're only three points ahead of you, but yeah. we're still fucking ahead of you. Yeah. Um, uh, Aaron Moy, bloody hell. Oh. <laughs> I... I is, I was I mean, quite happy to see him in the team to, to start with, walking up to the ground, but it was pre-World Cup Aaron Moy, wasn't it? I think it was worse than that. I mean, I oh, think it no, was, it was literally one of the... In terms of individual performances in such a key area of the pitch, I I, I thought... And I'm a, I like him, I'm a big fan, yeah. I think he's a good guy and all that, but... Oof, very I, early on. I, first or second minute when he gave the ball away and then... He didn't did track it, back either. I know. Then two or three times more in the first ten minutes. You think, oh god, like how? What's the earliest substitute we can make without <laughs> ruining this guy's career? Exactly. Um, but I, it was, and I, I suppose you could say that kind of set the tone for mm-hmm. the the way that the the rest of the first half was to go anyway because it was the warning signs were there. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's the type of guy who needs built up to come back into the yeah, games. It's absolutely. And probably not even just the, magnif- the magnitude of that game. I think if it had been a run-of-the-mill game, he might still have been sluggish. So I think when we learn that we can't do that, we need to build him up um, before we throw him into a high-pressure game. What do you make? I mean, it was terrible. I mean, really appalling. But I don't think we need to... I don't think there needs to be a kind of steward's inquiry into it or anything or, or look too long at it. He's an older guy who quite clearly needs time to get his legs back up and he might not even have been properly fit if we're being perfectly honest. You know, I mean, I think... I mean, it might have been him or David Turnbull. Well, exactly. I mean, right. see, at this point in time, I would I would 
probably still a roll the dice on Aaron Moy. <laughs> That's I would have as well, which is maybe unfair, but so uh, it's one of those ones where it was a risk. It, it was a risk, guy. Off, but and and with Hatati out, you're obviously wanting that. I mean, his performance in the in the final was was very good. You know, it's not it's not like he's not played well in games against them. It's not like you've not had a performance from him. Um, obviously, there's deficiencies in his game in terms of the running that he does and his work rate. Why you play him in games like this is for his quality moments, if you will. Um, and but and even in Saturday, even at his worst, I thought Moy was very good at retaining the ball. That's the one thing. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, lesson learned. I think when Awata came on, we seen real quality from him. I think he stabilised the midfield. I thought so too. You know, gave us the platform then to move on and, and, and take that, the lead. Do you think that's a bit of a watershed moment, maybe for Awata? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I th- on you go, mate. I think um, I think it may be just to go on at the, the back to the Turnbull point quickly. I think it kind of the sort of curtains for him there, isn't it? I think because I think the reason why he maybe didn't start Awata um, with O'Reilly. Uh, McGregor is because I think he really wanted McGregor still to be in the six mm. which is understandable I know that we've spoken about in Europe that we'd maybe go with the, the sort of two holding midfielders but a game that you really want to win to kind of cement your place at the top of the table I think there was maybe just a wee bit of trepidation from Ange that he didn't want to be too defensive um, and he didn't want to give up the quality of McGregor in the six but yeah, in terms of Moy it was a shocker and if a half fit out of form um, for that game anyway, um, Aaron Moy gets ahead of Turnbull, you would start to think now that Turnbull's days are numbered, I would say. Yeah, Awata I thought was was very good when he came on and I thought him and McGregor played that role together almost. It's yep. like we, they both kind of... It, it was. I think Awata now has really put a marker down Maybe it's just from a fan's perspective. Maybe I've just been waiting for this for a while or whatever. But I look at Awata and I'm thinking, actually, you know, Hatati's probably going to go out for the next couple of games. Um, you play against Kilmarnock and you have another good game. With three good games in a row, three, four good games in a row, or at least three or four good games where you, you've impressed. Starting to ask real questions of that, that selection in there. Technically, in my head, I've already started to think... Awata, Hitati and McGregor is our strongest midfield. Now, I may be jumping ahead of myself, and I thought O'Reilly was very good. I uh, thought he was good, yeah. I mean, the, settling the second half, you know, um, and then he's, he's assist for, for the Kyogo goal, you know, call it an assist, but the touch he took to get to the byline and then cut yeah, it back, I, I thought was terrific. And I suppose on that basis... <laughs> You're swapping O'Reilly and Moy right now, aren't you, in terms of if, if they're available? And I think that's in the basis it was. Moy was in in front of O'Reilly because he was better than him at that point. And now O'Reilly's ahead of him? I would I would have O'Reilly ahead of him just now. Um, so that was good to see, but there was there's just something about the way that Awata, you know, gets about the pitch. He's not just a, a defensive midfielder. There's more to his game than just that. He's not that kind of classic enforcer who no. just kind of breaks up playing and plays the ball off. There's far more of that. And technically, I, I, you know, I've already got that idea in my head that that could be the midfield three, uh, and it, it could be unbelievable. I'm just thinking about the semi-final now, and I know we've got games ahead of that. We obviously play Kilmarnock on Sunday, and then we've got Motherwell next week, yeah. um, and then obviously we've, we've got the semi. Those two games are huge. Kilmarnock away is not an easy game. We're not saying it is, and, you know, Motherwell at home, you'd like to think we'd do the business there, but... I just get my eye on that semi and I'm thinking if Atati 
is back and he's not fully fit or Hatati doesn't quite make it back, maybe he might not make it back to the week after. I'm thinking of Wata. I really am, Barry. Yeah, I agree. And as you say, the next two games are crucial for his development if he does play well because I think now, as we've just spoken about with Moy sort of stinking the place out for, want of a better phrase, I think that would make Ange more reluctant now to do the same with Hatati. Because mm. the period that Hatati will be out be about a month, won't it? If you include the international break, longer than that yeah. before the the semi final. So it's up to Awata now to sort of cement that place, um, and then you can start to sort of drip feed Hatati back in, um, safe in the knowledge that you're happy with that um, that pairing. So no, I, I totally agree with what you've said. I thought he's used to the ball was really good. I think the point about he's not he doesn't just sit he's always making angles for the other midfielders um he's happy to take the ball and lay it off when he has to or carry it so it's another encouraging um sign for a, a recruitment as well i'm um, just moving on away from the game but just before we do that uh was it a foul on morelos by alistair johnson yeah two hands i also think that if you look, I think it's Jack on Hart. He's fouling. He's fouling Hart. I mean, I remember looking at the replay, and it looked as if he was pointing to the centre of the goal, as if where Hart was grabbing, Jack was grabbing Hart. So I think there was two fouls there. I mean, it's he had two hands on him, and he he pushed him. And I mean, I, <laughs> of course they're going to disagree with us. For me, I didn't think it was that controversial. To be I didn't. I this is another thing where. This, you know, in, in the era of Trumpism, right, at, at this point where you basically take one thing and you blame all of your ills on one small scenario. If this hadn't happened or if these people weren't here or whatever from a, that's the fascist point of view. But like, if this one thing hadn't <laughs> happened, then it would have led to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's, you know, from, from me looking, from the outside looking in, you're like, Good for them. Like, good for Beal. That's a good way to protect your job by just completely being to the, you know, going to the Bane Dogs. Everyone's out to get us. You know, uh, results aren't going our way because, not because of our performances or because of the opposition, but because of referees. And we can talk about that. It's that real kind of, um, what's the phrase when you pull everyone together? Uh, siege mentality. That siege mentality. Um, but it's fucking wild yeah. that such a almost innocuous because I think it's a foul as well. See if see if you flip it right, my immediate reaction would have been you made that easy for him. You, you know you made that decision easy. Yes, it, because it's a technical foul. Even though Johnson wasn't very strong in the challenge, even though you could say that he went down softly, that doesn't matter. If the role had been reversed, I'd have blamed our striker as opposed to... I would to, have as well. Yeah. I, I would have said... You, you, oh, you, you put your hands on him for What did you do that for? You didn't need to do that. And he didn't need to do it. And that's 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 it for me. I think you, you, in that exact point, you only have to look back to the Hibs game where Starfelt pushes the guy for the penalty. Yeah. And we were all saying, what an idiot. Like, yeah. There was no need for him to do that. Yeah. Because I think, I think without Morelos doing that, He's still got a good chance of getting on that ball. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, Johnson might have prevented him a wee bit, but I think, I think should... Johnson completely misses the flight of the ball. Yeah, but it. that doesn't take away from anything other than uh, it's a two-handed push. push. Yeah, but just in that whole mentality thing, that's just the way that we think. Like, why are you doing that, idiot? Whereas there is, oh no, that's the route to get us. And see, just before we move on, see the performance of the referee. I came away thinking 
he gave them everything. Aye, 100%. <laughs> to go through a game, just talking about the performance as well, to have your three centre mids on a yellow card in the first half, I believe. Yeah. And your main centre half, like, no wonder we weren't at our best because it seemed every time there was a, a tackle, it was a foul to them. Every time there was a foul, it was a yellow card. And I was screaming, boy, murder. Um, and it's mental how the narrative's changed it. He was out to out to get them. I thought, I thought Moy was fouled by Morelos before, but Aye, yeah. But if 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 you're not calling that a foul, he he probably deserved a yellow card. That was brilliant, though. I loved that. Oh, the rugby thing. Aye, aye, aye. No, but uh, that's exactly the way. Same as you, Barry. I walked out of that game saying Clancy gave them everything, and their game plan was to get fouls. I mean, Tillman spent most of the the game on the ground. Yeah. Um, and again, you, you're talking about. I mean, Raskin seemed to get a good press after the game. I just thought he was ordinary. Tillman, I just thought, fell. Cantwell, man. Oh, God. <laughs> he, I mean, I think I'd read some of the press before he came up, talking about he'll know, I remember thinking, have the I, mentality to play, and he just, he just, he just looked run. I remember seeing him about, uh, about two, two and a half seasons ago, maybe, and I remember thinking, he looks great. He looked, he looked like a really kind of, you know, like, just a dynamic midfielder. See, seeing him on on Sunday, I was like, Saturday. I thought to myself, "Oh, I've got nothing to worry about." Yeah, that's a guy who's not, if nothing else, he just doesn't look up for the fight. Some of their players just don't look up for a fucking scrap. And we've got the better technical players, and our players look up for the scrap. The thing that kind of summed up for me, I thought, like kind of watching it back, was see that in the first half when McGregor had that burst of pace and he ran through about four of them. And I think it's maybe Cantwell he goes past and Tillman's the other one and Tillman just gives up. Aye. Like, it just summed up their mentality and at that point thinking like, no wonder we won because if that's when they're still very much in the game and they just can't be bothered to track their runners, then it says it all. See, for me, when I when I look at that and I think, okay, do you know what, maybe, and I'll, I'll, if you want to give them a, a slight bit of credit, you say maybe how they set up kind of nullified us a little bit, right? We didn't turn up, uh, we weren't at our best, but it nullified us a little bit. That to me is something that Ange Postacoglu will sit down and he'll rub his hands together and go, okay, if they want to play like that, this is how we beat them. And he'll come up with a new, new way of beating them. Now, because the whole idea of we only play Celtic, only play the one the, the one way, it's not true. No. We have a, a, a style, but we absolutely tweak and we change and we make things happen. And the fact of the matter is, if you need someone to break that up, a little bit of skill, a little bit of technique. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Haksabanovic. Get him in the semi-final <laughs> all day long. The greatest. Um, I mean, going back to about the way they set up and stuff like that, I mean, again, previously the way they set up, you know, there's probably still a conversation. I'll leave that for some of the other podcasters to talk about. Starfelt and CCV. CCV was really poor in, in, in Saturday. Uh, especially in possession, you know, kind of, Hurried clearance, I think that led to the free kick that you gave it away. But going back to the point, you know, them going man for man and then pressing up. But they, they previously they just sit on McGregor because McGregor was normally the person who came to receive the ball from the back four because we don't have, you know, world class football players at centre half. Um, and there was a bit of that on Saturday, and I think I think it was just a poor performance from Carter Vickers as opposed to. Um, Anything so much what yeah. they did um, but even at that our midfield when they did that with McGregor that nullified us a lot more than it will now because technically in midfield we've got far more far better players 
um, who are then able to kind of drop back and, you know, pick the ball up and kind of take it through. And I don't think Carter Vickers and and Starfelt are as bad at breaking those lines as as it's said. But um, I think that's the difference. I think they used to shut down McGregor. I think they tried to do that, but there's just too much quality in the midfield now. And I think that'll be a factor going forward. If they try and do that, it's not... It's not going to be as effective as it always was, would be my feeling on it. I don't think they can play much better, and I think we can play a lot better. And that's what gives me a little bit of kind of real excitement for the semi-final. Definitely. I think as well, so see you going up to the game and you do that thing in the WhatsApp groups where you, our team comes out and then their team. And in terms of attacking players they had on the pitch, so Cantwell's fairly attacking, isn't he? Raskin, I'm led to believe, more of a, a link player. Then you've got Kent, Tillman... Kent man, Jesus. So you could argue that the only defensive minded player other than the defence was Ryan Jack. So if that's them got that many attackers on the pitch and that's all they can do to us, then as you say, if once we get players back and um we go play a normal game and have more opportunities, I think, then we we should take care of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we say, we uh, on the cynic, uh, the cynic dot co. We've got podcasts every day, and this week we've had um, a podcast that basically broke down the the game from a tactical uh, point of view, uh, which is available every Tuesday called the review with uh, Graham and Christian. Or oh, we had the agenda on Monday as well, which was kind of uh, looking over the news of everything that happened over the weekend as well. We had the reaction straight after the game as well, so check that out. We also had the biscuit tin, uh, which is a finance podcast uh, based on football, looking at Celtic and. Uh, we like the Rangers uh, and it was a joy um, so podcasts every single day we've got a great podcast on Saturday with Barry Gallagher don't you worry about that Oof. Desert Island Celtic so Manny you'll love it I'll be tuning in great stuff it's it, dropped time's it dropping that it's dropping at 10am on Saturday morning <laughs> I was going to say I'll get a cargo but I'll maybe wait till a bit later <laughs> and then we've got Christopher Samani will be joining uh, for the reaction uh, to the Kamarnock game on Sunday as well so podcast every day check it out thecynic.co uh, I've got a question from Liam and this will bring us up to a little bit of the fallout uh, question from Liam it might have the old green tinted specs on here but I thought the reaction of Beal and Tavernier on Saturday really showed their poor character blaming the ref straight away showed to me a poor mentality Compare this to us and how Ange and our guys handle themselves and it just really looks like we are much superior mentally as well as from a tactical and quality perspective. Ange is lauded for his style of play but I think our character, which he instills, can sometimes be overlooked and is a big part of our success. And it seems like the currents... I love it. I love currents. And it seems like the currents lack it severely. Would you guys agree with this? And if so, how important is the mental side in terms of our success and superiority over them? I think it's... We're better than them technically. We get better players all over the pitch, right? I don't think any of their players get into our team. That's what I think. I think mentality drives us, yeah. Barry. I think it's huge as well because if you think back to when we have been beaten, and I tend to think back to like the Lennon era, first and second time around, where I remember was it the semi final against Hearts when Craig Beatty scored and Lennon ran on the park and. <laughs> In the heat of the moment, you can think, yes, sheer defiance. But when you start to analyse it, you think, fuck, like, that's not helping our case no. cause in any way whatsoever. Um, and then I think we like, I think we're quite a fair support. So we would sort of look inwards. Why haven't we won that game? Is there anything we could do differently? Whereas they go all guns blazing. They've always been like that. Yeah, they always pander. I think you made a good point earlier, Samani, about Beal's doing everything he can to appeal to them. And it's almost, you can see it for what it is, is it's to curry favour, to save his own back. They're all out to get us the siege mentality you mentioned. And 
that can only last so long. Like mm-hmm. looking back at those times when don't get me wrong, sometimes you need a gesture. I think back to a game we lost to Ibrox when O'Neill was manager and he took Lennon over to the, the yeah, crowd. Yeah, I think yeah. that was a bit different because we knew we were well different. beaten that day, yeah. and it was all because of the abuse that him and Lennon had been getting. But gestures like that are fine, but you have to be inward looking. You have to think, what can we do to sort of reverse this um, sort of uphill struggle that they're facing because they haven't beaten us for so long. So I think mentality is huge. The way that you conduct yourself in the media, even if you are raging, because um, I don't doubt after Highbrook's um, Andrew's probably been raging at the handball um, with goals and stuff. We need to keep that in the house and there's proper channels to do it because we've seen if you go all guns blazing with the media, all the ex-players, their current manager or players, you see the impact that that has on the referee himself as we'll come on to. So there's ways to channel your frustration when you feel that you are being sort of hard done to. But I think it just smacks of a lack of mentality, as, as Liam said here. So delighted that the way that we're conducting ourselves um, on and off the pitch. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, I think the way the manager, when we just talked about that and the way Ange handles himself, I think that's what he expects of his players. And I think he gets that. That doesn't mean that we're walked over or that we don't, um, you know, we don't, Stand up for ourselves. Stand up for ourselves. Exactly the words I was looking for. Um, I think that just means that you you deal with things in a more in a better way, a more productive way. I mean, I'm, I can see from the agenda there, Chris, that it touches on the the statement that was released. Um, and you need to remind me to release the statement about what referee was it? Let me let me let me just I'll, I'll read it out. The Rangers released a statement after the. So, basically, some absolute scumbag put Kevin doxed Kevin Clancy uh, by putting his kind of the number for his work and his email and all that on, and basically encouraged people to send him abuse, um, which led to a lot of abuse being sent to him. And basically, the SFA came out and basically it was a police matter as much as it's anything else. Mm-hmm. Rangers released a statement saying, firstly. Rangers condemn in the strongest terms any abusive match officials. We're all passionate about our game, but targeted personal abuse of referees cannot be taunted. The club can confirm the Scottish FA has responded with regards to the disallowed Alfredo Morelos goal with a response claiming the correct decision was made. The club is astonished by this. Mm-hmm. Especially given most... Obs- this is insane. I've... It's wild. Given most observers, including former referees and former players... Could, they're, they're literally went Aussie on Sky Sports uh, Dermot Gallagher has said well maybe not Dermot Gallagher but um, someone has said it should have been a goal um, including former referees and could see no issue with the goal ending this comes following a weekend in England where PGMOL have offered an apology to Brighton and Hove album for the non-award of a penalty in their match with Tottenham Hotspur along along with a pledge to review the incident while an apology does not alter the outcome of a match such responsibility and openness would be welcome in Scotland actually fuck up Karen See, just on that, it's almost like, firstly, we condemn that. You don't want his work email address and phone number. Here's his personal one. <laughs> Go and get him, boys. That's what it's like. It's mental. Just no real concern for the referee himself and just here's more reasons why we should go after the, the SFA. It's crazy. And I mean, it, going back to what I was speaking about before, I can't remember. I don't know why my head's blank, but they complained about the performance of... Who was it? The column. Was it column? Aye. Yeah. Um, and he didn't referee one of their games for three or four months. Or so. you know, right, even longer, I think. It, eh? it could have been, yeah, however long it was. But the point being is, 
when they, they do that for a reason, for a, for a, a, a reaction. It's just, I mean, <laughs> I think that's that. See their fans being deluded and all that. I think that's hilarious and funny. And go all the if you go on Twitter or Instagram, you see all the the follow follow stuff. I think all that stuff hilarious. I think this is dangerous. Yeah, I don't. I think this is dangerous yeah. rhetoric. Yeah, because, and I mean, it, it is. But I'm still focusing on walking out of Celtic Park on Saturday and thinking. He gave them everything. Aye. Their game plan was softest fouls. Fouls. I mean, that one where Jota got, they get a free kick for handball and it hit off Jota's chest, and they got it because I can't remember who it was. Put their hand up and they went, "Oh, there you go, another one." And that was their game plan: soft free kicks, fall down, buy them, you know, put balls into the box, and they, he gave them all the day, um, all day. I was pretty disgruntled with his performance. Yeah. Um, and yet, this has happened afterwards. It's, it, it boggles the mind. Boggles. At I things. think you were alluding to it there, Samari. Is that this is all? I think building up all of everything they're doing now is ahead of that semi final. Absolutely, hundred so desperate for the pressure to be ramped up on the referee so that they'll get beaten. Probably, probably get beaten as referee. Calm and var. Um, and then the slightest foul they get penalty. I think that's what they're building. It's like that old tactic used to say where you would call for a strong referee on the Friday night before the game, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And everybody knew what that meant. I know Celtic did it before. They did it every time. We're calling for a strong referee so that you're just giving the ref a wee nudge that we're going to be on you any decision you make. I've seen all this stuff on Twitter, a lot of vile stuff about Kevin Clancy and talking about stuff like, uh, we know who he is and he shouldn't be allowed to ref a game. Essentially what he's saying, what people are saying, uh, some of them being the media partners of Rangers, essentially that if you're a Roman Catholic in, in Scotland, you shouldn't be allowed. I'm not, I don't know if Kevin Clancy is or isn't. I'm not making any, I, I, I don't I know nothing of the man's personal um, religious beliefs or whatever, right? But what essentially what they're saying is that if you're a Roman Catholic, you're not allowed to referee a game in Scotland. You shouldn't be allowed to referee in Scotland. That's what they're saying. Yeah, They're saying that Catholics can't referee games in Scotland because they will definitely be biased. That's ludicrous. Thoughts? I mean, like, for fuck's sake. We, we, I, I just, I'm start, I genuinely start to get my back up a wee bit, like, I mean, you are getting your back up, and I said that quite aggressively, didn't I? <laughs> you are. I'm not surprised, though. I mean, I, I, know, I suppose I know, that's I just... that, that. I suppose that's where I'm coming from with regards to this. I'm not surprised because it's a well kind of well trodden path. It wasn't like this came out of nowhere, and it just. I mean, obviously, it should be condemned, and uh, and I do condemn it. But what I mean is. I don't have that outrage because I just went, oh, there they go again. There it I happens know, again, know, you know. Sometimes it just and I probably should, but, you know. Sometimes I, it just hits a fucking nerve, man. Yeah, I think the dangerous aspect of it is, as you say, there's, there's that guy on Twitter who I believe is a, he's like a political commentator, but he's a big Rangers fan, and he's even got tweets calling him Father Clancy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that seems like banter to them, but it's very, they know what they're doing, and it's very incendiary, so... Aye, I, I agree. I'm, I'm maybe somewhere in the middle of you because it is expected, but it seems particularly sinister this time. I think it really does. It really does. Um, and you know, you know, the referee. Um, I can't even remember what the referee was. Came basically came out uh, and was saying essentially this is going to lead to this Conroy. Game. Conroy, of course. But I love this though. That, that, that see the fucking one of the head, you know, old firm, you know. Um, 
what, what came, one of the newspapers was, I don't know if it was the Sun or the Daily Mail or the Daily Record, basically, after Kevin Clancy was getting abuse, was like, uh, old firm fans, essentially. Like, just put Rangers, because it's not us that's doing it. And, like, this, Conroy coming out, starting this with, back in 2010, everyone had the same feeling. Referring this kind of country were genuinely fearful that something was actually going to happen. They went on strike. We've done a whole podcast on it, which is actually available. It's very good, the Cynic Chronicles. Um, they went on strike because Celtic called them out for cheating, mm-hmm. for changing it. Like, and also Hugh Dallas said the referees was sending anti-Catholic to emails s- as well. To start this, so no matter what you start here, back in twenty ten. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I know that these people are playing to their own audience, but it's dangerous. Uh, yeah. it, talking about how they just don't see Rangers fans. Yeah, it's even the pictures they use, like the BBC had the picture of like McGregor getting booked, and it was about the referee abuse. Like they know what they're doing. Like we'll choose the the least offensive photo towards look, Rangers. Look, look, this is this is probably food and drink and obvious to everyone that we're speaking to because we're all kind of. Pre- well, preaching to the converted, but and I know I'm I'm getting a little bit annoyed, but like sometimes you just think, F- what the fuck, man? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. No, it's I agree. Um, but as I said, it's I mean I'm not I'm not surprised by it. You know, it, it is the way it is, and it is until it's properly challenged, it's it's not going to be it's it's not going to be any different. I mean, going back to in 2010. Remember they weren't in strike, the referees? That's, yeah, yeah. You can probably already see how that, where this is going in terms of the, the path. There'll be, a, there'll be a phone in on Clyde next week that says, foreign referees, is that the way forward? Don't know why it's English folks, <laughs> uh, this generic English voice that I do. But, you know, you know, it's just a repeat, rinse and re, you know, repeat, where it's like, they talk about this, they talk about the, the, the refereeing performance. There's then conversations about, <laughs> what team the referee supports or what religion he is and then it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it's just a a, a, a depressing cycle if we're being perfectly honest you know it is but see until you actually kind of pull that all apart and someone has an adult conversation someone with some sort of authority has an adult conversation about it and brings it open and we all don't just hide behind the idea that and we can't upset them too much we can't upset you know Anyway, anyway, anyway. All correct, Christopher. It's your everything you've said is correct, mm-hmm. but um, I fear that we'll be having this conversation again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I agree, Father Sunmani. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to highlight what Neil McCann said. Neil McCann, he was brilliant, Michael Beale. Uh, I thought Rangers <laughs> were brilliant. Did he? I just see, like, see did he? Yes, did he? Did he though? <laughs> Very good. See, like, see if you think Rangers were better than they were in the semi-final. Uh, oh, sorry, the League Cup final. Fair enough, right? If you think they were better than they've been the last couple of games against us, fair enough. But to say they were brilliant is fucking wild, man. Uh, I, 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 listen, I was going to do a thing of what do you think their expectations are, but their expectations, like Maggie Thatcher, are in the mud. Oh, political. Oh, nice. <laughs> political, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but fun, do, do you know what I thought as well? See, like watching the game back on Sunday, <laughs> see when Kyogo scored the first goal, like Ian Crocker was like, Rangers have been brilliant, but I, you know, I was I... like, what if I just watched? Because I don't remember them being brilliant at the game and watching it again. It's like, they're willing. I can understand sort of why Sky are doing it, because for the neutral, they want the title race to be yeah, yeah, like yeah. more gripping, but it was, you remember, could see through it. it was like, even Walker and 
McCoist. Um, just everything was like willing Rangers to score. Right, you know, Watanatio, Walter Smith's way of playing football, ultra defensive, ultra depressing, but they had Brian Loudrup or they had Paul Gascoigne or they right. had someone who literally could pull something out of nothing, maybe play into Celtic's naivety at that point when we were pressing all in. They just don't have that. It's not it's not even that impressive. Um anyway, look, um I mean that what what did they do well on Saturday? They stopped us from playing our game. They had an they, as much as I think the performances by some of our players was below par, I think they had a fairly big part in upsetting our rhythm. Well done. <laughs> but that was it. We were still better than them. We still got around that and they really posed very little threat. That's the bottom line for me. And I take from that as we need to do better when we play against them in the Absolutely. semi-finals. Absolutely. Because see if we put in a per- similar performance, we might get beat. Not definitely. Mm-hmm. We might get beat. That's a crucial thing. Yeah. And I think that we've got levels and we've got players that will come in and we'll have players that's currently fitter. And, the, and when you put that together, I think that we're, we're more than capable of beating them. All I take from that is, you know, learn from that Celtic Watch what they did, but we're still better than them. Take it forward. I think it's, as I said, and we'll, we will move on, but I thought it was perfect that they've played this game. They've exposed themselves for exactly how they're going to play against us in the semi because that's exactly how they'll play. Yeah. We didn't play your best, and we now have a blueprint for exactly how they're going to play, and we'll just, and you'll come up with a, a solution to the problem. Not a problem. And we still won the game. Oh, 12 points clear. See that? Not a problem. I'll have that flag in the. The standing section, do you see that? Just said, not a problem. Love <laughs> <laughs> um, it. We, obviously, we've got Kilmarnock on Sunday, um, and it's a, a game that in the past has been quite uh, tricky, specifically in the 90s. <laughs> but how, how, are you feel, how, how are you feeling about, about this one, Chris? Fine. I mean, um, my main concern about... I mean, Kilmarnock aren't very good, um, especially Derek McInnes' Kilmarnock, you know even with uh, some players probably missing from the game, we should have more than enough to win it. My concern is the pitch. My concern is the way that Kilmarnock conduct themselves on the pitch as well. Um, For me, I'm looking forward to it. I just enjoy watching Celtic every week at the moment. Um, But in particular, I want to come through this unscathed injury-wise. Because not only you've got the pitch, you've got an aggressive and physical Kilmarnock side. What you really want to do is you want to you know, get a win, fairly straightforward, perhaps take off some of the big hitters early and then just kind of stroll through with, with um, everybody intact going forward because, you know, one game at a time is the old mantra, but you do have your eye on that. I mean, the league, all things kind of being equal, is pretty much wrapped up now. It would, you know, it's how many games is left? Seven, is it? Seven, seven, no, seven yeah. yeah. Two yeah. and then the split, yeah. Two and then the split. Um, so you do have naturally got one eye on the semi-final um, so it's about getting through the games against Kilmarnock and Mullerwell with you know, injury free for me mostly Yeah, the big thing is the pitch I think that's the one thing when you see this fixture you think of um, and it has there's been players in the past that haven't been risked on this, risked on this pitch because of um, how sort of firm it is so luckily enough to be going on Sunday oh, um, so Always a, a good trip down there, some similar to Samani. Get the game one early, and then we can start to bring on players who maybe need minutes thinking ahead to next season as well. Because that's another thing. 
you want to get the league wrapped up as early as possible, not just this game. Um, there's obviously targets that we can get a record of our points total, I believe, and the most goals we've ever scored. And obviously you want things like Kyogo to get over 30 goals. Um, but yeah, the main thing is getting the three points and um, coming out fresh and hopefully a couple of players more up to speed that have been out injured as well. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just go right back? To the Rangers game. Okay, if you want, yeah. Something that's stuck in my mind. The Burnaby chance, right? Let's not talk about that because no idea what he did. Do you know who was very good for that? Oh. That was lovely. Yep. Strength, holding the ball off, laying it off. To bring it back up, I think O's going to have a a big role between now and the end of the season. I agree, I agree. I think, um, I thought he was good when he came on. Um, I thought he didn't have uh, a lot of a lot to feed off because you know we weren't particularly our best but um, is all the type of guy you would you know Kyogo has played a lot of football Kamarnock away you know that pitch you know would you would you are you tempted to leave things just as they are currently or would you make changes Barry we'll start with you Chris have a think um, I, I can see the, the point of it because of his physicality and the different way of playing um, and the ball might is, is that playing into their hands a little I bit I think it might be yeah and I think ideally if we can get Kyogo to kind of come through 60 minutes hopefully with a couple of goals to come up to 30 um, he would get all on but I think t- he's had two really good moments in the last two games obviously the, the sort of takedown from Hart in the Ross County game um, was excellent so he's shown enough that there's a player there um, but I think he can keep with the status quo and then make the changes rather than if you do it and it doesn't work and then you have to make the changes to chase a game I don't think that suits us so I'd start Kyogo and then get on as soon as possible. Difficult to say not to start Kyogo. I know, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be too disappointed if he started, though. That was one of the, I take your point about maybe playing into their hands, but he's, I mean, he's a young guy, but he looks as if he's, you know, well-versed and well-capable on the physical side of the game. So he is a guy who I would, I think, will feature at some point. Uh, and I wouldn't be too disappointed. I'm not sure, I'm not unsure that Andrew won't make changes because you know you do want to kind of keep players fresh there will be an eye on that game you know the pitch is always an issue so horrible um I, I think it's a game we always need to be wary about it, how many but i think it's a game where we can probably make some changes um and all might be one that I, I wouldn't be too disappointed in i mean even talking about burnaby as much as it's quite shaky taylor went through that game on saturday and he didn't particularly look Fully fit either. Don't think he was bad, but he, he was, was holding he was, his. Yeah, sorry, to jump in. He was targeted. Uh, we talked about that in the, the preview about he was physically targeted, um, and he came through it, and that's good. Um, I, I, I need and want. I need. I need. I want him to be fit for the semi final. I think mm-hmm. Burnaby. Give him a run. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe not the next two games, but at least one of the two. Maybe the Marlow at home game might be better. But I yeah. don't know if you're better with Taylor. Taylor knows Kilmarnock. He obviously played for them. He knows, knows that the city. pitch. Knows the city. <laughs> knows, knows the tune. Knows the tune. Um, I just wonder with how physical it's going to be against Kilmarnock and with that pitch, you might be better resting Taylor. Well, that and I know how much of a risk that is because Burnaby's still raw, but. I don't know. I mean, they're, it's a horrible place to go and they're a horrible side to play against, but it's a place where, you know, you should be able to make these changes. See if you do make them and it doesn't work out or we drop points or whatever, you will immediately go, why did you do that? But at the same time, we should be able to win that game 
if we take Taylor out and put Burnaby in and maybe take out Kyogo and play O or whatever, it's a place where we should be able to do that. And when you've got, especially with a guy like Taylor, you really, really want him in for the semi-final. So see if the manager makes that choice. I'd understand why and I wouldn't have a problem with it. First one to get torn right in if we drop points, don't worry about oh, that. Of you know, course, but yeah. I, I think that makes sense because, you know, as much as we're not playing as much football as we did at the start of the season, we've still got a lot of games. We're getting to the, the kind of the business end, as they call it. Oh, um, key players for key games, that's what you really want. And when you've got squad players, you know, there are opportunities when you can play them. And Sunday, for me, could be one of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if the manager made some changes. And, and I think. I think Taylor would be a good idea just in terms of protecting protecting. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts, Barry? No, just looking forward to it. I think Samani made the, the great point there. It's just, you're just kind of buzzing to see this Celtic team play every week. Um it's a nice feeling to have. And the fact that it is such a sort of big squad now, you know that there's the changes that can be made. We've mentioned I know how much you two guys love Haxabanovich. He's another one that could potentially come in, I think, Absolutely, because yeah. Maeda's played a lot of football. So. Did you see his wee video today? No, no, so he had a wee video where he went it was a part of the Celtic Foundation thing and he was just it was like two or three minutes, it's on the Celtic YouTube. He just comes across as really good. He just come he comes across as very patient, very happy with where he is, just waiting for that opportunity and yeah, he just comes across as a really good guy. Yeah, so uh, I think it'd be, it'd be great to see him, uh, whether it's from the start or from the bench, but no, bring it on. It's just, love this time of year when the weather's a wee bit better, it seems to be um, good atmosphere in the stadium when the weather's a wee bit better as well, so mm. no, I look I, forward I'm to it. 12 points clear. Yes, hi. <laughs> That's great. Um, listen, <coughs> uh, we've got a, a preview of the Kilmarnock game uh, tomorrow, uh, so check that out uh, on the cynic.co. We'll have uh, a great feature on Saturday with Barry, and then we'll have the reaction on Sunday, so lots of stuff to get you through. Um, Christopher Samani, an absolute joy. Been terrific, Christopher. Especially the 18 intros that we did. 18. Uh, Just 18. Uh, it's been good. No, enjoyed that. And uh, see you on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah lovely. Uh, Barry Gallagher, pleasure as always, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep, thank you very much for having me, and um, bring on Sunday. Lovely stuff. From Barry Gallagher, from uh, Christopher Samani, um, from myself, Christopher Gallagher, this has been The Cynic Weekly. Check out thecynic.co for all your Celtic podcast needs and we'll speak to you down the road. I, th- I said for the outset, I think Rangers will be too strong for Celtic this year. They've been excellent under Michael Beale. They actually have a 100% record away from home in league matches. For me, Celtic were the best team in the country before Michael came into Rangers. He's come in, he's done a fantastic job and him and Angela are head to head. He's obsessed with control of the game, control of the ball, on and off the ball and I think he'll approach the game a lot less direct. I think they'll try and play a lot more football. I think Raskin in time, and I know it's, it's a ridiculous comparison to make, but in terms of where the club, I think the Rangers Raskin could be the kind of the Callum McGregor influence on the team in terms of the control. Two good football teams in this country, not one.
Okiyoga! 